hope you all had a blessed Thanksgiving and um, surrounded by family and love and laughter and good food, I hope. <laughs> it was a very um, dark evening. Dinner was over. Jesus had just uh, washed the feet of his disciples in that upper room and gave them a very powerful teaching on servant leadership. I, I love reading John chapter 13 because it shows us the second person of the blessed Trinity. He, creator of all things, as we're going we're gonna to jump back into Colossians next Sunday, and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist and took a, a small bowl and began to wash the feet of his disciples. And just like Thanksgiving, it was Passover. They just had the Passover meal. And they were on their way toward Gethsemane. And the Gospels just tell us, and they sang a, a hymn. Some scholars believe that these were the Egyptian Hillels, Hillels that we're reading right now currently. Uh, Psalm 113 through 118. And some were in that hymn that they were singing. Possibly, possibly, we can't know for certain, but this was the custom of the especially Second Temple period that was practiced at that time. Possible that they might have sung this hymn of Psalm 117. So if you have your Bible or if you are a little bit more technological and you have a phone or an iPad and I want to invite you to open up the scripture to Psalm 117 and do me a favor, it's not going to be too long, but would you mind standing up uh, with me and and let's read the scripture together. And so, um, again, it's just two verses. And uh, it says, it, it states this way. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love towards us. And his faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. Friends, you may be seated. This is the word of the Lord for us today. And again, what is a halal? A halal is just a hallelujah. What is a hallelujah? Which we know in simple English, or as uh, some people say in layman's terms, praise the Lord. That's all it means. Praise the Lord. And this is a beautiful time to praise the Lord. This is a beautiful season for us to be reminded of why we praise the Lord. And the book of Psalms, all 150 chapters of it are constant reminders to us and reason to praise the Lord. And so, some have called this the greatest and shortest of all 150 Psalms Two verses. Two verses. However, when we read these two verses and we recite these verses and we incorporate them into song, 
because the Psalters are uh, uh, um, beautiful uh, literary masterpieces. And that's what this is in two verses. We get this masterpiece of praise. And again, it's just a constant reminder. And, 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 and one scholar said, it's not just a psalm of praise, but it's a very theological psalm. And my intention is that uh, by the end of this teaching, we would appreciate it more, and, and, and we would walk away with the theological implications and pragmatic applications for our life, especially our life as believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, something interesting about this psalm, it had a forward perspective to a promised Messiah that would come. And so when you read the Psalters, the whole 150 of them, they have this, this forward view of the cross, a fulfillment of God's steadfast love that we read in this psalm. And looking forward to it, many of the psalms have an eschatological tone or element to them as this one does. And so some, we'd have to process that. Some understood this psalm to be because it's so small in our English translations uh, that some, especially the Jewish translations, would put that psalm right in Psalm 116, either at the beginning of it or at the conclusion of it. Whatever the case, thank God that we have it in one chapter, two verses, as a bridge there between all of these Hillels to remind us of the reason to praise the Lord. Something else this psalm um, speaks to, and I mentioned it last week, and, and I just mentioned it a little bit ago. It's an Egyptian Hillel because it reminds us of the time that God delivered his people. He redeemed his people from slavery in the book of Exodus. And in fact, if you observe the book of Exodus, um, namely if you go down to Exodus 34, verse 6, listen to what the scripture says. The Lord passed before him, that is Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Verse 7 keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? Again, this psalm speaks to us in just these two verses of God being a steadfast, loving, and forever faithful. God can do no other than love the world, even its sinful inhabitants. How's that for your theology? When you read the meta-narratives of all the scripture, starting from Genesis to Revelation, 
you read this beautiful um, symphony of steadfast love by God. And so, as our dear beloved brother David spoke to us of Psalm 103, listen to the words of Psalm 103 echoing and affirming this melody, this tone in Psalm 103, verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards us or towards those who fear him. You're going to hear that word a lot today. In fact, I might even bore you (laughs) with the word steadfast love. Uh, uh, Brother David defined that for us in, in the Hebrew word meaning chesed. His steadfast love, his loyal love. And, and some things that we have to pause about this, this, this word, steadfast love. It means two things that, that, would, that, that have a connotation to it or are attached or associated with the word steadfast. The first mean it's a, it's a continuous, it's a committed love. The second connotation to that is understood well in the word covenant. It's a covenant type of love, commitment. Uh, Have you ever promised something that you didn't keep? If you're like me, you'd probably even raise your feet up. Broken promises. And uh, the one good way to understand God's steadfast love is that God makes a promise And he keeps it. Listen to what I say. God makes a promise and he fulfills it. And again, we we think about, you know, how we approach God and say, God, I promise. I promise God that if you heal me, I'll go to church every Sunday. God, I promise if you heal my son, I will give my life. If you heal my mom's cancer, I will forever serve you. If you spare the life of my loved one, I'll give myself to you unconditionally. And often we approach God with that, and God does the miracle for us, and then we forget about God. That promise is long gone. God doesn't function that way. And again, if you, you don't believe me, just read the whole story of Israel. How God delivered them. And even fulfilling the promises that he made to the patriarchs, especially to Abraham and Abraham's descendants. And God continually, even through their idolatry, God would even call them through their prophets. He would call them stiff-necked people. God would call them hard-headed, God would even go as far as calling them harlots because they prostituted themselves in the worship of other gods, paganism. And so they drifted so far from where God had called them and, and, and brought them out so that he may have this covenant relationship with them, but they were unfaithful. 
and over and over and over through, even through captivity and destruction and pain and loss, loss of everything, loss of identity, loss of tradition, loss of, of, of the beautiful temple which they longed to keep and preserve. And they didn't get God's email. God wasn't into the temple. God was into the temp- this temple. And they lost it all. And even as you get into the New Testament, you read about this love and passion for re- religion formalities, and God had no interest in it. You don't believe me? Read Isaiah 58. God hates empty religion. And so it was in this backdrop that we're reading about this faithfulness and this steadfast. And once again, Psalm 103 verse 8 reminds us of that. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is a loyalty, a covenantal fidelity. God honoring what he has said and told his people. I think one psalm really encapsulates what these two verses are speaking about. You can read it now or you can open up your Bible to it. In Psalm 136 verses 10 through 24, it attests and affirms what these two little verses are talking about. For example, in Psalm 136.10, he says, To him who struck down the, firstborn, the firstborn of Egypt, for his, steadla- his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 11, And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 12, With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 13, him who divided the Red Sea in two for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 14, and made Israel pass through the midst of it for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 16, to him who led his people through the wilderness for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 17, to him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 18, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 19, uh, Sion, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, and for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave the land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever forever. Verse 23, it is he who remembered us in our low state for his steadfast love endured. We should write a song about this, Caesar. Verse 24, and rescued us from our foes for his steadfast love endures 
forever. Can you pick up the melody here? Can you listen to the, the melody of the Spirit speaking through His Word? For God's steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Gloria a Dios. <laughs> Please don't ask me to recite that in any other language. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And once again, this constant poetic melody being expressed in this psalm, looking forward to the cross. We, we in the 21st century are looking backwards. Post-Jesus coming and dying on the cross when the Psalter could only look forward and imagine and hope. Our hope was established when Christ came and died on that cross and resurrected from the dead. And so, once again, this beautiful melody of praise, of adoration, of hallelujah, for what God has done is the constant reminder that we're going to take a look at, which I, I, I would suggest it this way. Three truths about this psalm that I would like to leave with us this morning. First of all, first of all, here's the first truth about this psalm. First thing I want you to take home is that God's enduring faithfulness is communicated through the good news of Jesus Christ. Did the good news exist in the Old Testament? It did. It did. This, this is why some people, uh, uh, when, when they're attempting to read the Holy Scriptures, stumble and don't understand because they read about an angry God. They, they, they read about the stories of the conquest of the book of Joshua, which you guys... Walk through it. And for whatever reason, we tend to look at more of the dramatic sides of the story, and we kind of forget, not in a neglectful way, but we forget, we tend to take for light God's steadfast love being written and reminded over and over and over and over. It's like a broken record. Over, kind of like what we're doing in Colossians. Over and over and over and over. Notice what this says. The first part of verse 1. Praise the Lord all nations. Do you hear the universal tone to that statement? Not universalism here. I'm not talking about universal. That, that's a heresy. Listen to the, the universal tone Praise the Lord, all nations. Which has led some scholars to believe that this is a very eschatological psalm. Because how's that going to happen in the reality of the world when the world is going to hell? When the world is dark, when the world is full of hate, when the world is full and shaky and, and dark and bleak and uncertain. How does the world come together in this admonition of praise, in this invitation to come and 
Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to get to that at the end of, of this sermon. However, this, my friends, this is a beautiful, in, in one verse, but it's a beautiful reminder of what God promised Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. And you might want to open up there or you might just want to take a note. But this is what God told Abraham. And I will make of you a great nation. I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. How beautiful is that? God never intended his grace and his glory to be made known only to a Jewish nation. He always had in view all people groups. The eunuchs, the pagans, that they too had an opportunity and he was going to use the apple of his eye. He was going to use the glory of a small, weak insignificant nation called Israel so that he could show the world and display to the world that God doesn't need strength or numbers. He uses that which is rejected, forgotten, and weak, and he gives it a name. Israel was to be the the glorious light of God's mercy and grace to the nations, and they lost it. They didn't capture it. And so once again, we are are standing before this psalms. Praise the Lord, all nations. Praise the Lord for his faithful covenant love. We're going to get to it. It kind of feels like this is somewhat disjointed here. But we're getting there. Track with me. So when we read this, Once again, we're reminded of this covenant law, love. And perhaps somebody in the New Testament by the name of Paul, in his beautiful, wonderful discourse, theological letter of law versus grace, and begins to unpack this type of theology for us, in Romans 15, 11, Paul says, and again, Drawing from this Psalm 117, he says, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the peoples exalt him. The gospel was never to be kept just to a group of people. Again, this is, this is a constant and a beautiful melody for us as we're considering God's enduring faithfulness. Secondly, second thing for us today that we want to draw. So first, we know this is an invitation to all peoples. Black, white, Latinos, Asians, yellow, brown. Huh? All peoples. Amen. God's enduring faithfulness is made known to the world through the church. Now, track with me here, because you're not going to find this. If you read that text, where, hey, Pastor, where did you pull out this, Pastor Pablo? I don't read it in the text. It's there. It's not there verbatim, 
But how do you think the world is going to know and see the light of the gospel, the light of God's enduring faithfulness? Who does God use right now? The church. The church. So God is, again, not that he hates or has abandoned Israel, no. He still has, Israel still has a special place in God's heart and a special purpose. But they too must come to believe in the word of the gospel. So now it's not a nation, it's a people group. It's a movement. It's a family. La familia. It's it's the redeemed, the community of those whom God, as we've been studying in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, it is God who has delivered us from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. What a glorious melody of praise. Because again, the Psalter is explaining this. He's, he's, He's heralding this. Even before Jesus came into the picture through the incarnation, the Psalter is jumping for joy. He is singing song and writing beautiful music about this glorious symphony called the Good News. And so, this, in verse 2, it just unpacks it for us. For great is his steadfast love for us. My friends, when you think of Psalm 23, please don't think about it just in a funeral. Psalm 23 really nails this at the end of Psalm 23. In verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. This enduring, steadfast love that God has even, even, yes, towards the prodigals, even towards the rebellious ones, even for the defiant ones. Last night, I couldn't sleep. I posted this on Facebook. I put on my headphones and I to, to Maverick City. It's a, it's a song called Crazy Love. Man, my heart was pumping. My, the scripture was just beating like a drum in my heart relentlessly, I just said, man, I need to be asleep here. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced God's word just be, it's not stress, you're not worried. I mean, yeah, you intercede for people. This beautiful time, this beautiful moment that God's got your attention and he won't let you go back to sleep. He wants to meet with you. Even if you don't have a word to say, just sit there. Be like the good soldier. I'm here waiting my orders. And if you don't have anything else to say, just praise him. That's what the Psalter is saying. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. And again, this surely to goodness, his mercy will fall. Now listen, L- listen to how other Hillel's Remember, the Halal start in, in Psalm 113, and they go all the way through 118. But, but listen to what Psalm 115 verse 1 says. It says this way, Not to us, O Lord, 
not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. How about Psalm 116, verses 5 through 7? It says, gracious is the Lord, and righteous are God's merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Who has been brought low? And who has got? I'm all over this, my friends. I mean, praise the Lord Back when I was a fool and, and, and I was 18, stringing myself up with drugs, not drugs, but pot and, and, and alcohol, and God saved me from my foolishness. He transferred me from the darkness and put me and transferred me into the beloved kingdom of his son. When we read in verse 2, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Listen to the melody here. Psalm 118, verses 1 through 4. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures. Boy, this is a beautiful chorus. May I suggest something? This was a cultic chorus. This was done in ceremony. And, and in fact, in fact, as I said, these halals are very interesting because uh, from Psalm 113 through Psalm 118, these were sung during the Passover. What is the Passover? It was the reminder to Israel when God delivered them and redeemed them from being slaves of the house of Pharaoh to servants of the Almighty God. And so, my dear ones, and so, you read again, Psalm 118, verses 27 through 29, the Lord is God. He has made his light shine upon us. Bind up, bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. Now, let me take one step here from the Old Testament for a minute, and let me translate this into the New Testament context. Romans 5.20. Romans 5.20. Here it is how it applies to the church. Now, Paul says, now, the law came in to increase the trespass. Now, earlier you would read, Paul says, hey, if, if the law never told me not to do this, I would have never done that. But because the law said to do, don't do this, <laughs> I wanted to do that. Human nature. But, li but listen to, to what he says. He says, now, now, the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased... Man, how many of you would agree that sin is so multiplied in our world today? 
But look, notice the melody of God's steadfast love. He says, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. Many of you know the heart, the burden I've expressed in, in several conversations. Oh, how I love that my sons would surrender their life to Christ. But that's all I have left to pray and intercede and ask God to be merciful. And God would intervene in their life. Some of us have prodigals and we long for them to be back and return unto the Lord. God is not through yet. And so Paul would remind that and, and verse so, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How is the world going to hear the message of Jesus if the church doesn't herald the message? We are God's plan A for the world. Again, Paul, writing to the believers in Ephesus, he would tell them this. In, in Ephesus, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and on, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. And he predestined us for adoption to himself as son through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise, there it is the word, praise, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Once again, Paul would remind the believers in Crete through a young man, his apprentice called Titus. He would tell them in Titus 3, verses 4 through 7, I'm not going to read all of them, but look what he says. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness. Do you understand what he's saying? You don't have to be holy to come before God. God will make you holy as he calls you into relationship. If you're waiting for the perfect opportunity, my friend, here or online, if you're waiting for, to, to have the perfect life to come before God, God will meet you right where you're at. Transform your life. And so he says, to his own mercy, by washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Wow. All that to say, my friends, the last thing, God's enduring faithfulness will be fulfilled in the culmination of all things. This is another reason why we praise God. Imagine running a race already knowing that you're the victor. You still have to run the race. And running the race is hard work. 
but you've been given the victory. But you don't want to be disciplined to run the race. And the running the race is hard work. But, but, but listen, extol him all peoples. What does extol mean? You know, I, I found several definitions of it, but the one that I liked the most was brag on the Lord. Brag about God. Kind of like the way you, I'm sorry, you, you, you Fresno Bulldog fans here. My apologies, my, my respects to you. But man, I mean, I saw an 80-yard touchdown by that Aztec, and I said, this game's over. 80 yards. My, my team's out of the, the, the competition too, so. But man, it's like, dude, did you see that? I mean, there was, I was watching the, the, the um, Iowa State and the, the Kansas City Cougars, man. They went at it, and they were, that was a slugfest, and it was snowing. Oh, you can imagine that. They were going back and forth. 77 uh, a yard touchdowns. Wow. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, minus the snow. But man, that was awesome. That excitement, the passion, the joy. This is, this is, what, this is what it's getting at. And you know what? Again, I, I, can't, I, don't, I don't have the time to read it. But if you go to Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 through 36, something had happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Some people call it pride. And God entered. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan. He did not fear God. But notice how the writing in, 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 in Daniel chapter 4, especially there in verses 34, Notice how it goes from, from this, 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 this uh, person of Daniel, and now he's recording the very words of Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. He became as a wild animal. God had to intervene. And, 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 and some people would call it, man, he just had a mental breakdown wasn't bathing. He was living with like, like the wild animals in the field. And yet, this is what he says. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And, now notice this. Now, this, this rocks my theology. This rocks my theology. Because here you have a heathen and a pagan. And listen to what he says. And I blessed the Most High. <laughs> What? Did I miss something in seminary? A pagan that God intervened in his life and brought the man down to the ground, living like a savage. Yet he looked his eyes up to the heavens and his reason returned to him. God healed him. And the very next words, I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever. Oh, wow. We all have a problem here. A pagan worshiping the Lord, praising him. 
And again, he says it in verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt, extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Wow. <sighs> I'm going to go get my money back from seminary. <laughs> Again, how does this happen? And again, uh, when you read this Christological hymn in, in the New Testament in Philippians, Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11, and, and, and Paul is just unwrapping this, this Christological, theological hymn for, for the believers of Philippi, and he tells them the following, so that in the name of Jesus, listen to this carefully, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My, my humble opinion is that some people will praise the Lord because they are so filled with gratitude and gratefulness, and some people will be coerced to kneel. Some people will be coerced to kneel and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'd prefer giving and surrendering my life and praising Him who is worthy of all worship, adoration, and might, and honor, and majesty. Notice that, 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 that this included angels, this included human beings, this included even those who were dead in Hades. Wow. If you don't believe me, you, you, you're going you're gonna to really flip on how John really unpacked this praise, this cosmic praise, as some authors would call it, this cosmic praise in the heavenlies. Nobody can date it. But he gives us this glimpse of this glorious imagery of the throne room of God. And if you read Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and on, verse 13, listen to this cosmic praise that took place in a multidimensional realm. Listen to, to, listen to it uh, on your own. It says, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. What do we do with this, friends? What do we do with this, Caesar? Jam on that piano and let's praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's bow our heads. Father, you are great. You are awesome. Somebody needs a reason to praise this morning. Somebody needs to be reminded of your steadfast love. Somebody needs, Lord, your grace, your mercy. Somebody needs to experience your faithfulness again. And I would pray, Father, right now, you gave us your son, Jesus, who when 
all time comes to completion, the scriptures declare that heavens will open up and he will descend. What a glorious day that is. What a constant reminder of your goodness and the culmination of your enduring steadfast love. Lord, thank you for Thanksgiving. It was great. And now we're turning to a season of Advent, of that reminder of how you came and took the form of flesh. And you were born just like any other child, except that you ended up in a manger. Lord, we would pray that if anyone here or online would call upon the name of the Lord, they would be saved. If they confessed it with their mouth and believe it in their heart, all of this to the praise of your name. And for us, Father, we would pray of your good love and your goodness once again being made known to us as this local expression of believers that we call Clovis Evangelical Free Church. We are not perfect, Lord. We are not perfect, but we are loved. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness, we pray in Jesus' name.